Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Morning and welcome to this Christmas episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk Claus. This is Mr. Kringle Sigelski. How are we doing today? I'm doing okay, Armand. The reason we're doing this little mini playbook is I've noticed that a lot of people act a little bit weird during the holidays. I'm getting these Christmas lists that are 500 pages long and people are overstaying their welcome at the holiday party. And I thought, why don't we help the listeners act a little more normal during the holidays and help them with some sales tips? I think you're exactly right. And so in the Christmas theme... What we find is there are way too many sellers around the holidays are practicing some tactics that are going to get them on the naughty list. And so instead, what we will be doing is we'll be giving six tactics that will get you on the naughty list and then six tactics in return of what you should do instead so that you don't end up with a big lump of coal in your sack. And so we're going to divide it into three areas. The first is prospecting. The second are discovery tips. And then the third are sales process and deal management tips. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them.
This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes. And so, why don't we kick it off, Nick? Let's make sure we don't fill our stockings with some coal. What is the anti-practice number one? Okay, so our first one, Armand, is around prospecting, and it is when you're making your list. Just like when you're making your list of who you might give some presents to this holiday season, you want to make sure that you're giving to the right people. And the parallel for sales is you want to make sure that when you're prospecting, you are contacting the right people. Far too many sellers, when they're making their upfront decision around who they are going to prospect is they'll they'll be great cold callers. They'll be great cold emailers. They know how to use gifting in the right way, but they don't contact the right people. The bulk of your prospecting efforts should be focused on people above the power line. Part of the reason people won't do this is it's scary to contact those C-suite people. It's scary to contact that CMO instead of the marketing analyst. Those people can often be very, very direct and a little bit brusque. So what should we be doing, Armand? How should we be thinking about this? Well, just to double down on this one, folks, is even if you don't always get a reply from a CXO, oftentimes one thing that will happen is if you email a bunch of people above the director level, if you're doing really, really good tailoring and messaging, oftentimes your emails will get forwarded down to the manager level. So there's a little bit of this invisible effect. And if you have um, a tool like Outreach where you can actually see how many times an email has been opened, oftentimes what I will see is I will see an exec email that is opened 10, 15, 20 times. And what that tells me is an email to an executive actually just got forwarded around to the rest of the team and they're trying to figure out who should be acting on it. And so instead, what I would recommend doing is I actually stack the most of my tailoring to the higher parts of the organization and the people who have the most propensity to write a check. And so what you're going to do is you're going to break out your A, B, and C tier accounts. And then what you're going to do is you should break out your top tier prospects as well. And those top tier prospects should mostly be people above the line. And those are the folks that you're going to go multi-channel on. So you should be using a combination of LinkedIn, email, and phone. And those are also the people who you should go deep on tailoring with and get to know their backgrounds really, really well and get very specific in the messaging. And the last piece that I'll give you is you may want to consider extremely targeted tactics like having your manager or your AE, if you're an SDR, send a note directly to the person at power to change the voice in your prospecting to make it seem that it's extremely intentional that you are trying to reach out to specifically the person at power. The next one is around your wish list, Armand. When I was a little kid, I was guilty of this. I would get the circulars in the mail from Target and Walmart and Toys R Us. And what I would do is I would circle the gifts that I wanted. And the problem that I made was I would literally circle 90% of the toys in the Target circular. And so I'd give it to my mom and she would say, Nick, I don't know what you actually want. What ended up happening was the stuff that really mattered ended up getting buried. And sellers are making this same mistake with their prospecting emails. When you send a 500 
line email that talks about all of your features, the important stuff gets buried and missed, just like that wish list that I gave as a kid. So instead, Armand, talk to me about what a nice, succinct email should look like. So as Nick mentioned, more wishes, aka more features, does not equal more gifts and does not equal more meetings. And so what you should do is you should take the number one pain point that you have that you can solve based on what you know about the prospect, and you should put that in your first email. And then you should take the number two pain point and you put that in your third email and the number three pain point and you put that in your seventh email. And so you sprinkle the prospect with a couple of big wish list items one at a time. In other words, you try to surface one really big pain for a couple emails at a time and then you pivot. And then the way that you actually insert those problems into any given email is via the three by three rule. Okay, so any email should be what's called three by three, which is no more than three bodies of text, and each body of text should be no longer than three lines each when read on your phone. So it's basically like three sentences. It's also known as the no scroll rule. And the way you should set up these emails is you should lead your emails with the tailoring. In other words, what do you know about your prospect? Then your second body of text is that one most important wish list item or that one problem that you can solve based on what you know about them. And then your final body of text is a low friction call to action or a low friction request for that gift. All right? And so we've got through our prospecting tactics. We know to stop putting people on our list who are too far below the line. And we also know to not make a list that is way, way too long. And so Nick, let's say we started to book some meetings. Good. And now we see some presence under the tree. And this has all been due to our hard work building pipeline of presence. And now we get to start to open some of these presents through discovery. And the first holiday theme that people get stuck into is they get to the holiday party and all of a sudden they notice that something's a little bit uncomfortable and they get into a stiff conversation with their uncle who they haven't seen in three years who decided to show up this year to the holiday party. And what is this in the world of sales, folks? You set too stiff of an agenda. You made it really uncomfortable from the moment you said hi. The moment your family member walked in the door, you asked them, hey, did you get shorter? And then all of a sudden, the call is off the rails. And so the problem, folks, is people learn all of these crazy ways of setting agendas. We love things like the upfront contract. We also love purpose plan outcome. But oftentimes what people try to do is they try to take the script of every single word you could possibly copy in an agenda, and it comes off as super awkward, rigid, and tense. And so instead of doing that and making everyone uncomfortable, Nick, what does Santa say we should do instead? I just want to make you feel better. You did not get shorter this year, Armand. Don't worry. So the three pieces that you've got to cover up front in the first three or four minutes of a meeting are the amount of time that's set aside for that interaction, the content of what you and the prospect are going to be talking about in that meeting, aka the agenda, and then you've got to allude to the fact that you're going to talk about 
next steps at the end of the meeting, even if next steps end up being, hey, we're going to part ways because there isn't a fit here anymore. And the way you might do that is you get on the Zoom, you make your two minutes of small talk, and then you might say something along the lines of, so Armand, we've got 24 minutes left on the, the clock for this interaction here. I think the goal for this meeting was A and B. So what I've done is I've alluded to the fact that I'm watching the clock and I know how much time we have. I'm not going to be the seller that keeps you over the time. I've also said what I think the goal for the meeting was, was A and B. Here's what the agenda is of what we're going to cover. And then I'll say, is there anything else that you really want to make sure that we cover in today's session? I'm giving the prospect a chance to change or add to the agenda. Get a yes or a no. Now we know how much time we have, what we're covering in this meeting. And then the last piece is you might say, here's where you allude to the next steps. Cool. Armand, typically these meetings end up going one of two ways. You might decide based on what you hear in today's meeting that this isn't a fit for you. And if that's the case, totally fine. You won't end up hurting my feelings. The other outcome might be, hey, this sounds relatively interesting. It might be worth further exploring what Nick and his company do. And if that's the case, wonderful. Usually what folks will want to do after this meeting is X. And X is whatever your intended next step is in the sales process. So cover the time. Cover the content, give your prospect a chance to add to or adjust the content and allude to, hey, I sort of know where we're going from here. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by Rocket Reach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Okay, so we've escaped the conversation with our somewhat odd uncle, and someone else has taught us how to set a much better agenda. And now we're entering a sales conversation. And so I want you to envision that you're walking into your corporate holiday party, and it's an amazing, amazing time. And then all of a sudden, some keynote speaker gets up on stage, and they decide to give a toast. Right? So they give a toast, and everyone has a little bit of a buzz. They say one thing or another. And then 20 minutes later, you go to your friend in the corner of the room, and they look at you, and they ask, hey, what did you think of the toast? 
and you want to say every possible thing on your mind. And here's the thing, is sellers do this exact same thing with prospects, is prospects will ask them a question. Do you have integrations? Do you have single sign-on? Are you SOC 2 compliant? And as a seller, it is our desire to please and immediately blurt out the answer because thank God we know the answer and we don't have to ask our sales engineer. But oftentimes what you don't realize is they might be asking you a question that is actually a concern. And if you give them the wrong answer by answering the surface level question or answering questions at face value, you may actually pin yourself into a corner on a deal. And so Nick, what should we do instead? Your responsibility as the seller is when somebody asks you a question is to get them the right information. And oftentimes, prospects are not great question askers. They'll ask you a level one question. It's pretty high up. And there's a ton of information you could answer. It's like when I ask Armand, how was your weekend? He's going to tell me about Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. But if I ask him, how was your Friday night? There's a more limited amount of information that he could share with you. And you need to do the same thing with your prospect. So when they ask you a question, what you need to do is sort of infer, are they going in a certain direction? And say, oh, well, are you trying to get information around A, B, or C? Or you might say, well, what did you have in mind there? You actually don't want to come across as incredibly quick-witted, giving them the super fast, complete answer. You actually want to come across as, I didn't totally understand your question. Can you give me a little bit more detail around what you are looking for here? And the reason for that is so you can be extremely targeted with your response. If they ask you, do you have integrations, and you say, yeah, let me tell you about all 532 integrations that we have, and then they say, oh, actually, we didn't need integrations at all. This might be more than we need. You've answered the question in a way that has tripped you up and has hurt you. Similarly, at that toast you talked about earlier, you go to your friend and they say, what did you think of the speaker? And if you hated the speaker and you give 42 reasons why you hated the speaker, you might upset your friend who was the person that hired that speaker in the first place. So your responsibility as the seller is to understand why are they asking that question and give them a far more targeted answer than the first question warranted. So we've made our list. We've checked it twice. Now it's time to manage our deal. Let's talk about my wish list, Armand. We talked about earlier, I made a wish list from Target. And it had a lot of things. But let's say you helped me out and I pared that list down to a couple select big things that I want. I want to get an Xbox this year, a $500 Xbox. I want to get my car detailed. It's going to cost a lot of money. I have to make sure that I give my wish list to power, to people that can actually procure those things on the wish list. If I go to my seven-year-old cousin, and I give him a wish list that includes things that cost $500, I'm sorry, no matter how much Josh really wants to make me happy this year, he's not going to be able to buy an Xbox. So the lesson here is you've got to make sure that you are getting to power in your deals. The reality is there is a finite number of people who are actually able to get you what you want, which is a deal, and you have to make sure that you are communicating with them. And I know you have some tips for this, Armand, because you've been disappointed many a Christmas morning after giving a wish list to me. 
This is true. I asked a brother one day for an Xbox, and instead he gave me a shoebox. And I learned very, very quickly that this was a mistake of mine. And so here's the thing, folks, is sometimes you have to start selling below the line. Right? You might have to share your wish list with a brother to get their opinion on it. Or you might even have to share your wish list with your parents to get permission to send it to your rich aunt. Right? And the key thing is that doesn't mean you just circumvent your champion. And so once you have a champion on your side, as you start to go through a discovery call, what you need to do is you need to start to sell next, next steps. And what I mean by that is oftentimes you're going to go through a demo with your champion who is not at power. But going into that demo, ideally you've done a good discovery call, right? And so at the end of that discovery call leading into the demo, you should be like, hey, typically a next step from here would be if you liked what we said around the problems we could solve, we would go through a 60-minute demonstration. Awesome. If that goes well, oftentimes you and I would get on the same side of the table because that means we have some pretty big problems we can solve together. And we would start to shop this upward to Jane, your CMO. Are you good with that? Does that sound like a plan? And so first time you actually socialize the ask for power is early in the champion building process. Then from there, once you actually get to the end of technical validation or the demo, at that point you should have a champion possibly plus one or two other peers on board. And at that point you would typically enter a joint execution plan or a mutual action plan. And what you should be doing is you should say, hey, we've gotten through discovery with you, we've identified some use cases, we've validated that we can solve those use cases for you, here are the next three or four steps, and you should explicitly list out the people that you need to get access to in your joint execution plan or your mutual action plan. All right. And then the final piece is you need to, as you are framing this, you need to frame your ask to power as not in your best interest, as in we need this to get the deal done, but as in their best interest. And so what you want to do is you want to take the problems that you learned early in discovery and throughout the demo, and you want to say, hey, in order to solve these problems, these are not tiny problems, these are big ones. And Always, I've seen a hundred other customers buy this thing. Almost always, the person at the top wants to at least be involved early on. And I promise you, it will only be in both of our best interests if we get them on board early so they feel like they're part of the process and it's not this big surprise explosion at the end when you bring them a $200,000 proposal. All right. And so now you've gotten to power. And the last piece is you need to make sure that you keep access to power, Nick. And so what is the last Kringle mistake that you could make that will get coal in your stocking? Well, the cardinal sin of the holiday season is you've gotten your gifts. You're really happy with your shoebox and your Xbox, and you're playing with your toys. You're wearing your nice new sweater, and you neglect to send a thank you note to that rich aunt. Next year, you are not getting a gift from her, Armand. The same thing applies here. When you meet with power in a sales cycle, typically if you're working with like a director level champion and then you meet that CMO, you're not going to keep meeting with that CMO every week as you continue to navigate the sales process. And what most sellers screw up is they meet the CMO 
and then they move on with the rest of the sales cycle. And they forget that that CMO has a responsibility list that is extremely long. And right after the meeting with you, they've forgotten about you. And it's your responsibility as the salesperson to make sure that the thing you're working on with your champion is top of mind for that C-suiter. And also that the things that you and their team are doing together and the problems that you two are working to solve together stay top of mind for that person. And so you can send them a thank you note after the meeting, but you actually want to send them a couple other pieces of communication on rhythms throughout the sales process. Alrighty, folks. And so your last tip to end up on Santa's nice list are as follows. So the first is once you leave that meeting with the CXO, as you are leaving, you should make the request to do what's called yo-yo selling, which we learned from Ian Koniak, which is essentially getting the right to run a sales process with their team and keep them informed with updates. So then from there, you get the direct introduction to the people on that person's team that matter in the deal cycle. And what you need to do is, as you find information and critical findings in each of these discovery calls, the demos, what have you, you need to make sure you keep this person informed of what is happening in those meetings. And oftentimes, these recap emails to your power have no, absolutely no action requested. They're just keeping them informed. So after every critical meeting, I will typically send two recap emails one to the team that I met with, and then another to the group at Power. All right? And then from there, what you need to do is after you've got the key people on board, you should roll up all of your key findings into one big business case at the end of the sale. And hopefully that means it's the Xbox that you've wanted your entire life, folks. All right? And so Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Maybe you just like some Christmas lights. Maybe you like some snow. Maybe you like to snowboard. Maybe you're a skier. Whatever you do, maybe you snowshoe. We certainly hope, folks, that you all have a wonderful holiday season. And the reason for that is the greatest gift of them all is the gift that you all have given to us, is we are coming up on three years of 30 Minutes to President's Club, and it has been unbelievable how much things have grown in those last three years. And so whether you've attended a tactic teardown, listened to a podcast, or uh, maybe heard some of the bloopers and outtakes from the early episodes from Nick and I, we genuinely wish you all a happy holidays and a wonderful time with the family and friends out there. All right, catch you soon. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes.